Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 265. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Today, I'm excited to bring you a very interesting interview with someone who seems to be doing a little bit of a lot of things, or maybe a lot of a lot of things. You're going to hear all about it when you listen to this interview. My guest today is Dr. Andy Hahn. Andrew Hahn, PsyD, is a licensed clinical psychologist who got his bachelor's at Harvard and his PsyD in clinical psychology from Hahnemann University. He teaches the Enneagram and he has been a faculty member in the graduate counseling programs at Lesley University and Northeastern. Dr. Hahn's strong foundation and significant experience in traditional psychology is part of his background, but he's also been untiring in his effort to understand what's going on for people so he can better help them live more contented and healthier lives. He is going to talk with us about how certain experiences he had, which he couldn't fully comprehend within the confines of traditional Western paradigms, led him on a search for answers that opened him to the worlds of Buddhist and Eastern psychology, mystery trainings, and depth, archetypal, and spiritual psychology. Thich Nhat Hanh, Brooke Joy, Dick Olney, Helen Palmer, Barbara Hastings, and Claudio Naranjo were particularly influential teachers for him. Collaborating with Dr. Judith Swack opened him up to the world of kinesiology and energy psychology and putting together all of his prior experience and these fields, he began in collaboration with Dr. Judith Swack to create the life-centered therapy method and its training institute. 
You're going to hear Dr. Han talk about how he uses life-centered therapy to treat physical problems such as chronic pain, asthma, and allergies, emotional and mental problems like depression, anxiety, PTSD, and much more. And he'll tell you about his training program where he teaches this approach. It was a very interesting conversation, and it's clear that he has a wealth of knowledge. So he tried to share as much as he could in our first discussion, but there was so much to cover that we went ahead and scheduled a part two, which you will hear next week. So let's dive on into my conversation with Dr. Andy Hahn. Hope you like it. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm very excited to be bringing you an interview with my guest, Dr. Andrew Hahn. Andrew, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Well, thank you, Laura, for having us. It's, you know, or having me. I think of us as a because we work as a team, but thank you for having me, and uh, I'm really honored to be here, and I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so excited too. I think that this is going to be really fascinating. And I already feel like as before we start, I know I'm going to want to know more than we will have time for in just talking today. But let's just start off by you telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, who I am is someone who is really passionate about helping people be free from suffering. That's in my life work. That's who I am. And uh, I get to be with people and, and I get to witness small or large miracles like every hour. So it's uh, and I just want to share what we do with the world. And you've given us a great opportunity to do that. So I'm really appreciative of that. Professionally, who I am is I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I got my doctorate in 1985 and then I fairly quickly became an assistant professor in a graduate counseling program, and I became the training director in the clinic. And I did that for about four years. And then I started, and my training, because I have a PsyD, my training was very eclectic for the 1980s, although I didn't take the course in Ericksonian hypnotherapy, which I rue to this day, although I did stuff for that later. But I, I studied pretty much everything else because it was so diverse. And then in, nine, in the late 1980s, in the early 1990s, I started having very unusual experiences that are generally what are called psi experiences, which are non-rational experiences. And they ended when I went to visit a friend who was on spiritual retreat at a place called the Self-Realization Fellowship. And I knew I had to go and visit her. And she had fallen the day before I had gotten to see her. People know this story if they've heard me before, because it's really... A turning point in my life. And, um, but I had gone out there to just because I felt called to go and visit her. And, um, even though she was having a lot of difficulty walking, she took us together to the holy grounds of the fellowship. And we did this heart chanting service for about an hour and a half. And then she wanted to walk me around these holy grounds in Encinitas, California. And while we were walking, we got to these two benches and she said she couldn't walk anymore. She said, I can't walk another step. You're going to have to carry me out of here. And her ankle, she had fallen. Her ankle was very swollen and it was discolored and she was in really bad pain. And so I, I sat on one of the benches and in order to sit so that she could put her leg up on my leg, I had to sort of circumambulate the whole thing. And I sat in a strange place. 
And uh, the second I sat down, I told her to put her leg on my leg so she could be elevated. And I was flooded with light is the best way I could describe it. I knew it wasn't the sun because I knew where the sun was. And it was just this radiance of energy that just filled me up from above. And I told her, I had her ankle there and I just said, is it okay if I just start channeling some energy to your ankle? And I didn't touch her. I just did that through my hands for about five seconds. And she then said, you know, I can read auras, don't you? And this is 1991, I think. But anyway, I, yeah, it was 1991. I said, Roshan, who's my friend, I said, I'm a nice Jewish boy from Boston. What do I know from auras? And she said, are you aware that there's pure light that's coming through the crown of your head and into the center of your chest and out your hands to my ankle? And I said to her, I can't see it the way you're talking about, but I know what you're saying is true. And then we looked down and there was no discoloration. There was no swelling. She got up and she walked out of there with no pain and... I said, sort of like, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. And I wanted to understand what happened. So I started doing all kinds of just following wherever I was led. And I did mystery trainings and deserts and hands-on healing trainings. And I studied Buddhist psychology and the Enneagram very deeply and spiritual psychology and regression therapies and all kinds of different stuff just wherever I was drawn. And then after that, about two years later, I was talking with an acquaintance and she said, you have to go see this woman. She's doing miracles in New Jersey. And I was up for miracles in New Jersey because at that point I was up for miracles anywhere. And she said, <laughs> this is what she told me. She said, a woman came to this workshop and the workshop was being run by a woman named Judith. And Judith did this thing called muscle testing, which I had never heard of. I had not heard of applied kinesiology or any of these things 30 years ago. And Judith had this woman answer a lot of questions through her body while she was – and the, the muscle testing said that she was supposed to tap all over her body while she told a story. And I thought that was pretty weird because I had never heard of what are now called the acupressure interventions like EFT or TFT. And Judith was one of Roger Callahan's original students. And so I didn't know that at the time, obviously. And she had studied – she was a neurobiologist who had studied neurolinguistic programming. And then she found Callahan and started learning about acupressure. And uh, she had studied with this really wonderful craniosacral therapist whose name was Mary Louise Muller. And she took all of those things and put them into a framework. Well, anyway, so that's Judith's background. And Judith was doing this session and having this woman tap. And then it said – the muscle testing said that her asthma had cleared. So Judith, who has a strong personality, said to this woman, why don't you walk outside and see if you feel different? So the woman goes outside and walks and starts to run, comes back and is exhilarated and, you know, uh, also flabbergasted. She said she was she was winded. She said, I'm not surprised because she said I hadn't been able to run a step in seven years. And mm. I thought that was a pretty wild story that somebody could theoretically have their asthma go away in 20 minutes. So I ended up going and studying with Judith. I was the first person who ever was a clinical psychologist who studied with her. And she had studied, as I said, the th she had no background in psychology. Actually, she was she had a doctorate in um, neurobiology. And so she, I learned what she was doing and she learned what I was doing, which was I was a really a soul psychologist and I had already started to look, look a lot with working with the body in 1991. And I had done these regression and I had studied just about everything you can imagine in clinical psychology. 
and I had studied depth psychology and I had studied the Enneagram and we put it all together and we created a, f- a framework, which she went off. Judith's background is very different from mine. She's much more sort of medical modeling and much more into fixing and cures. And I'm much more into healing and evolving. So our worldviews didn't really line up, but the work lined up well enough. And she went off and did her thing and I went off and did my thing. And so I started training people in this now 25 years ago, what was called guided self-healing. And it's now called life-centered therapy. And I guess what I can say to you, which I'm happy to share with you, is I've seen things happen in, you know, in an hour sometimes that make what happened with that woman whose asthma went away seem even kind of tame. Um, and I've seen things like that happen very quickly. I've also seen people come in for one symptom and it's taken over a year for it to come into balance. So... Um, you never know what you're going to get. So that's my background a little bit. And I, I so I, I started this institute and we've now trained over a thousand people sort of in many places in the U.S. and in like six different places in Europe. And we have a trainer in Taiwan who does the whole training in Mandarin. And we now have an online training that we're getting a lot of students for, which makes me unbelievably grateful. So that's that's my background. The, the premises of the work are very simple. It's sort of like, you know, E equals MC squared. The basic premise is very simple. <laughs> so I can tell you in one minute why I think people come to therapy and what therapy is and, why, and how it works. And I think people come to therapy really for only one reason, which you would, I think, share, which is I think they only come because there's something that can't be handled and integrated, which is why I think people suffer. So if you can't handle and integrate something, which is my definition of trauma, Mm -hmm. you're going to suffer. And so, right. So, and by the way, I don't think that's just bad stuff. If you have something that's too good and you can't handle Mm -hmm. it, that will also be a trauma. It's a funny thing to say, but that will look like craving as opposed to like fear. So, you know, it's like, you know, the the guy who catches a pass in high school and is still talking about it when he's 58 years old, you know, well, you can really say it has the same structure of a trauma because he keeps reliving the same thing over and over and over again and never has really mastered it. So what what is what what is therapy then? Therapy is very simple. It's simply mastering what can't be handled and integrated. And theoretically, if you could master everything that wasn't, if you could master all things that you couldn't integrate, which or you could master all trauma, you would never suffer because you could just say yes to anything. Someone could beat you up. They could kill you. They could do anything. And you just say, I'm not traumatized because I can just say yes. I don't have to dissociate. I don't have to. I can just be with whatever is without any judgment, without any anxiety, without any craving, without any forgetting. And I can just say, you can do anything you want to me, but you're not doing anything to me anyway. But then, of course, they call you Buddha or the Christ or something like that. But that's what I think we're all heading towards. And how you do that is very simple, which is, I mean, it's simple to say, which is that whenever there is something that can't be handled, in that moment, a sensation is born, a discomfort. So, and it's just like, if I said, Laura, you know, you were born in a moment, I would say, let's say you're having a panic attack. And I say, Laura, what's happening in the body? And you say, my chest is pounding. Then I would say, it's not you, Laura, that's having a panic attack. It's someone whose name is chest is pounding and chest is pounding has a life of its own. It's not a part. It's a living being. Just like I wouldn't call Laura a part. I wouldn't call chest is pounding a part either. It's part of a community of which Laura is the one that is sort of like, in figure ground terms, most forward, but chest is pounding is always there. 
right? And so all we would then have to do is choose to become the sensation. And as soon as you choose to become it, you no longer identify with it and live it out. You identify with the one who's choosing to become the sensation while simultaneously you're choosing to be the sensation. And as soon as you do that, you go from the one who is identified with it to the one who says, I'm here with you or I'm witnessing you in the sense of mindfulness. So what we're going to do is we're going to put together mindfulness and somatics. And really what I would say is every discomfort you have is a narrative of some is a story of some kind that couldn't be handled and integrated. And everything you can't handle and integrate has an associated sensations. And then what I'd say is everything that you think is a problem that you're suffering about is really a clue to what it is that couldn't be handled and integrated. So on the, you know, for us personally, those things are really horrific, but they're on a soul level, they're life's invitation to remembering something that couldn't be handled at some point. All right. So what does that mean? Well, let's go back to our panic attack. You're in my office, a motorcycle backfires and suddenly you have a panic attack. Well, clearly you're not having a panic attack because a motorcycle backfired. So we'd have to know what that was a reliving of, of an echo. Now, let's suppose we'll make it simple. Ten years ago, you're in a war. And a bomb goes off and you can't handle it. It's classic, you know, PTSD. Then theoretically, you come in here, the motorcycle backfires, and you're no longer in 2020, which you weren't anyway. You're in 2010 in Afghanistan or something, and you're living that out. And if you can then choose to become the sensation, then you will be knowing its story while you're choosing to be with it. And if that happens, theoretically, you'll have mastered what the thing was, and then the problem will just go away, just as I described in the case which I told you about with the woman with asthma. And I see that happen all the time. So we have to be able to do three things. We have to know what your true intention is. We have to know where it originates because anything else is going to be an echo. And we have to be able to give that person something if they need something other than just awareness in a high vibrational field. Because as soon as you move to a place of saying, I'm with you, as opposed to I am you, then you, you, in a sense, you become life. And when you become life, you raise the vibration, which is a very dense vibration called heart pounding to its pure form, which is pure free flowing energy. So it's pretty simple if you just had a panic attack. But let me give you a different example. Let's suppose that instead of having a panic attack, however you want to understand that, a hundred years ago, you weren't the soldier, you were the leader of soldiers, and you weren't paying enough attention. And because you weren't paying enough attention, you walk them into an ambush and you watch as they get killed by bombs going off. Now your problem no longer is your reactions to the sound of the bombs. That's a symptom of something deeper that we could call betrayal. And many different things could be all lined up with that betrayal, except for the fact that you'd never think that they were the same thing. So you might come in and say, Andy, I have this really strange reaction to loud sounds. I'm also OCD and I think I have to get everything right or something terrible is going to happen. I also shoot myself in the foot every time I'm going to be, I have an opportunity to be a leader. I also have very strange reactions when I walk in the woods for reasons I don't understand. And you might think that those were four different problems. And if, by the way, if the thing that went off, if the shrapnel literally hit you in your foot, you might also be limping for reasons you didn't understand, which you'd say you'd have a story about, but you'd also come in with a limp. And I would say to you at that point, what we get, what we could discover is all of those problems are not five separate things. They're all unfolded into something called betrayal. And if we could do something to master betrayal, 
So really, at that point, I would say your real problem isn't that you're reacting to the sounds and your heart's beating fast. Your real problem is you betrayed a trust, if I could find that out, which I can do very quickly. And if that happens, when you say, I betrayed some kind of trust, you might have a very different sensation in your body than your heart beating fast. And when I have you drop into that sensation and choose to bring all your awareness, let's say it was to a terrible pain in your foot, let's suppose. And you bring all your attention to pain and foot. And then suddenly you say, this is really weird. But like, and then you would, one of three things would happen. You'd either relive the story because you'd be kinesthetic. You would see it because you were visual or you would just know it because you're auditory. And whatever happened, as soon as you thought, brought all your awareness and focused all your attention so much that your new name is pain and foot, then what would happen is you'd start to tell a story. And whatever you say at that point is going to be part of the story. So if you say, I'm not seeing anything. And you might think you're talking about that in 2020. And I would say that's right, because you're not seeing anything. Why? Maybe because it's dark outside, or maybe because you're blind. So there's you can't comment on the session. Everything is part of the process and everything is literal. So if you say, I can't see anything, it might be because it's nighttime, for example. And then you'd be go walking along and you'd say, I'm walking along and I'm, I'm not paying enough attention and I'm leading all these troops and suddenly we're ambushed. And suddenly I have this sharp pain in my foot because the shrapnel hits me, right? And I'm watching all these men die and I'm feeling like I have betrayed them. And I'm like saying, oh my God, I wasn't paying enough attention. And you'd be saying a lot of stuff like that. And you, and you might say, I'm, I'm never going to go to the woods again and I never want to be a leader again. And you might find that all out in 10 minutes. Now let's suppose we could take care of that betrayal, which I have all kinds of ways one might do that, or my client might know how to do it. And let's say we were able to do that. And then let's say that man could die in peace, let's suppose. And then 20 minutes later, his limp might go away and his OCD might go away and his depression because he feels like he betrayed a trust and was like helpless and hopeless might go away. And his reactions to loud sounds might go away. And that all might happen in 20 minutes. I've seen things like that happen on actually several occasions where six different things you would think would have nothing to do with each other all transform very quickly because they're all, in a sense, clues to what it was that was enfolded into that story of betrayal. And if the only reason you have that story is because of that betrayal, literally all of those things will disappear in 20 minutes and not come back. Because really all they were was life's invitation to inviting you into a story that you were trying to remember. And of course, the way we remember it is we live it out over and over and over again. It's like Groundhog's Day. If you can't master it the first time, you keep going back over and over and over again. And life will invite. It's like you'll be inviting in. It's like that sensation, that pain in your foot that you think was because someone like crushed your foot might not be about that at all. And doctors might say, we don't know why the pain is still there, but you'd still have terrible chronic pain. But it wouldn't be because of the accident you think you had in this lifetime where someone stepped on you terribly. It would be because you got hit by shrapnel in a hundred years ago, but no one ever thought about that. So of course it's hard to find. So you could go to a lot of doctors and they would be looking, you know, for reasons why you'd still have that pain because they'd say, you know, your foot should have healed by now. Why do you have chronic pain? And the reason is because it isn't physical, it's energetic. Okay, and so, so okay. let me pause you for a second. Okay, so there, that's a lot and a lot. So anyway. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, I'm glad you interrupted me. I was going on for too long anyhow. No, not at all. I just want to ask a few things about what you said before you move on so that our listeners can, you know, if they are having maybe the same questions as me, they can 
you know, take it in. So when you say a hundred years ago, Mm -hmm. the person was a leader, Mm -hmm. is this in a past life? It is if you believe it is because your value systems is none of my business. I'm looking for the most useful narrative that will transform things. And I'm going to muscle test and say, where does the thing originate? And if it says it originates in Laura's lifetime, I'll say fine. But it might say it doesn't originate in Laura's lifetime. And then I'd have to find out where it originated. In this case, it originated in something we might call a karmic past life. But of course, if Laura doesn't believe in past lives, I'm never going to use those words. So I might say, Laura, do you ever dream? And you'd say, well, I dream. And I'd like to say, Laura, in those dreams that you have, they feel very real. And you'd say, yeah, they feel real. And I say, are there a lot of characters in those dreams? And you'd say, yeah. And does something terrible happen to some of them? And you'd say, yeah. And I'd say, who do you think created the dream? And you might say, well, probably me. And I, so that I might say, well, maybe one of those characters is in that dream is really what you're experiencing life through. If you don't like that, I can talk to you about personal mythology. If you don't like that, I can talk to you about play therapy. If you don't like that, I can talk to you about imagination. I don't care how you make sense of it. And by the way, you won't either because whether you believe in past lives or not, if you come in with chronic pain in your foot, chronic uh, reactions to loud sounds, OCD, depression and, and and strange reactions when you walk into certain places and it all goes away in 20 minutes, you probably won't care whether it's literally a past life or not. But I can tell you, I've had clients of mine who certainly didn't necessarily believe in past lives when they started out and they could actually find the people they were and they weren't famous people like, you know, almost no one comes. I've been doing this for 26 years now. I can count on hands and feet how many famous people there have been. But I found there was a man who came in and he discovered that he was a fairly low level Nazi general and he knew what happened to him. The man was just well enough known that there was some history written about him. And my client knew nothing about that era. And he found him. He he knew his name. He knew everything. And he found him. I would say the most simple, powerful explanation for that would be that we're reincarnated. And there's a lot of really good evidence. If you care about that, there's a book called The Afterlife Experiments by a man named Gary Schwartz or Ian Stevenson wrote this wonderful story about children, a book about children who were like in places and they would start describing, you know, past lives from other continents where they could never have known about them. And he'd bring them there and then they'd walk around and saying, you know, this person lived here and that person lived there and then they'd find the records. So I would say the most elegant explanation for me is that we are born over and over and over again and sort of like lifetimes are to soul like years are to us and you know and what i can also tell you is i've had a lot of people who've done very deep therapy with all kinds of you know wonderful somatic therapies who feel like they haven't gotten a result and it's because they've been just working in this lifetime and when you find one story from the other lifetime whether it's karmic or or ancestral which would be in their bloodline and they transform it the things that they've been working on for years go away. They get a better result. So, but you know, sometimes it says you're where you're where it crystallizes age three in this lifetime. At which point we go there. So I would say, yeah, I believe in past lives. But there's another part of me that like watches football games who doesn't really care about past lives. It just depends on you know <laughs> you know. I, yeah, I, I I would say it makes sense to me that there are past lives. It also makes sense that. There are ancestral stories that we may not be aware that happened. So something might have happened five generations ago on your mother's side, and you can playing out that story. And if we can find that, which we can do through the muscle testing and tra- change it, we'll get a good result. And I actually had one person who came in 
and his mother was in the waiting room and she was really a highly sensitive person. And we actually did a session that was five generations ago on her side, which would have been four generations ago for the mother. And it was about rage. It was like unmetabolized rage. And this person did this session on it, which really helped him a lot. And when we got done with the session, the mother asked, did you just do something on my side of the family? Because I feel different now than I did. And I, was, I wasn't doing anything. And I feel lighter. So I would say you can actually transform all of history if you can go back and change it. It's like, you know, but yeah, I, I think things can originate in what we call karmic past lives, genealogical past lives. They can originate in what we call the future, except those stories sound like warnings more like than they do like you're remembering something. It's like you're intuiting something, but you can have a, you can have a trauma that crystallizes in the future because there's no such thing as time. So why not? You can have a trauma that crystallizes in another dimension. You can have a trauma that crystallizes in a parallel life. Uh, you can have a trauma that crystallizes in the time in between lives. You can have trauma where you're an angel and you fell through dimensions. And I mean, there's no limit. If you can think of it, anything you can think of, I would say, why not open to the possibility? Because otherwise you'll just have a blind spot. So I, that's what we call life-centered therapy. It's like life has its own knowing. And what is life really? It's everything that ever is, was, or could be. That's life. So why couldn't anything traumatize us? And why couldn't anything be the resolution? Hmm. So yeah, in past lives. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I found work there. Um, when, when people have never considered it and they've done some really good therapy, often it's because they, they didn't open to a possibility. It just never occurred to them that they were... Uh, a leader of soldiers a hundred years ago in World War One. It just never occurred to them. So how are they going to find it? Right. So, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that seems like the limitation of what before we started recording, I was saying about, you know, my tendency towards a more concrete, you know, understanding of something before I can really conceptualize it. But as you're talking and you're mentioning so many different I mean, I'm like you. When you said, I have a part of me that kind of watches football and doesn't really care about past lives, <laughs> like there's a part of me that's very interested in like extrasensory perception and astrology and energy work and ancestral work. And for some reason, the past lives, you know, that phrase has been just something that I've felt like, oh, I don't know about that. But, you know, but I've done muscle testing. I've definitely I, I could tell you, <laughs> I don't like muscle testing. Every time someone does muscle testing with me, my acupuncturist or my Reiki provider or, you know, whoever I'm working with, an energy worker, body worker, um, and they do some kind of muscle testing, I'm always like, they just do it. And I stand there and I'm like, oh, like I'm kind of rolling my eyes internally and saying, what what is happening? But, you know, they'll go, oh, like, oh, it tells me this, it tells me that. And I see how, like, my arm will stay up or it won't stay up or all the different things that they're doing. But it's it's all just so out of anything I understand that I just am like, well, it seems I can see some things happening, but... Yeah. It's hard for me to take it in because I just don't get it, <laughs> you know. I help you get it. I think I could explain it to you pretty simply, and I think I could explain to you other lifetimes pretty simply from a concrete point of view. Would that help if we took like sure? A few if you're well, if you don't mind taking your time to do that, I think that might be. I'm sure I'm not the only person listening who feels a little unsure about that. I want to talk to you about other. I'll talk about the same way, which is to talk about levels of wisdom and who we truly are and who we think we are, all right? Okay. So if you want to start with muscle testing, you could say, well, muscle testing, let's start with levels of wisdom. 
And we're going to say there are four levels of wisdom, okay? The first level is the wisdom of the conscious mind. So that's what you can figure out, right? If I say, Laura, what's your name? You can say, my name's Laura. I can figure that out. I say, Laura, how much is two plus two? You say, I can figure that out also. I say, Laura, how come you have chronic pain in your foot and you have OCD and you have depression and you shoot yourself in the foot every time you were going to be a leader? And you'd say, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be coming and spending all this time, energy and money seeing you. <laughs> so we know the wisdom of the conscious mind is very limited. So we'll give it the power of one. Then there's a second level of wisdom. It's called the wisdom of the unconscious mind. So you have a dream or an image comes to you. You say something or two things happen. You say they don't seem like they're a coincidence, even though they are seemingly. So I would say if you have a dream, which I think is sort of like getting a letter from your soul, it either is there's no wisdom in it at all or it's deeper than conscious wisdom because your conscious mind tries to figure it out. You won't get very far. You'd have to find whoever it in, who's ever inside you if you want to talk about different aspects of being, because I think we're all multiples as a dream interpreter or a dream tender. But would say that wisdom, let's say it has the power of the speed of light. Then there's a third level of wisdom. And the third level of wisdom has a lot of good names everywhere except for the rational West, right? So in Aboriginal cultures, it has good names. In China, it's got a name called Qi. Japan, it's called Qi. So in China, like Tai Chi or Reiki or Prana or Shakti. Well, what is Qi? It's your life force. It's that which is the animating principle. It's the same thing for all of us. It's what, it's what animates us. It's what literally keeps us alive. That's what Qi is. And it's also our deepest knowing. So our Qi, which is energy, right? Our life force, Qi is energy. It's pure energy. It's pure action. It's, it's, it's like the biggest number we could imagine in this dimension. That's what Qi is, you could say. And it's also our deepest knowing. So Qi and when you just know something is true and you haven't figured it out, they're really the same thing. So, you know, Laura, you know, is being this rational therapist and then someone comes along and they talk about past lives and all her friends say, you're crazy. But you say, nah, something about it just, I don't <laughs> sense there was some truth to this thing. And they'd say, yeah, well, you're not going to be in our private practice anymore. And you'd say, well, okay, I'm not going to be, but I have to do what, you know, I know what's true for me. Or the other way it shows up is if you have children, for example, and you have a toddler, this is a terrible example, and a 2,000 pound car rolls and rolls over your toddler and you have to pick up a 2,000-pound car. Women your size do it all the time. And if you ask them how they could do it, they just said, I just knew I could do it. It wasn't their willpower. It wasn't they figured it out. It wasn't a belief. They just knew. And they pick up a 2,000-pound car. So what I'd say muscle testing really is, is it's what you're really muscle testing is that life force. And what you're asking is your body to be a means of communication for it. And what you'll find is when you're aligned with life, when you're aligned with what's true for you, you get stronger. That's why you can pick up the car. And when you're not aligned with what's true for you, you get weaker. And so what I think happens, although this is not how most people understand muscle testing, I think what happens is when we're muscle testing, what we're muscle testing is your life force. And if you're in alignment with it, your body will stay so strong that I could sit on your arm and your arm might fatigue, but it wouldn't go down. But if you're not in alignment with it, I could take one little finger and I could push very gently and you could use all your willpower and your arm would go down. And that so what makes I, sense. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. That makes sense to me too. And so I think what, what is really that life force, that animating process, I think is how you could also understand other lifetimes because that energy doesn't die when your body dies. But then the question is, well, what happens to 
that energy. And you could say on one level, it just dissipates. But on another level, you might say, and for reasons that I think I could explain to you, it could keep its form. And then it could intentionally bring its attention any place and it could remanifest. It could go from E squared back to M again with intention and consciousness, and then it turns back into matter, or energy and matter are the same thing, except the energy doesn't die, but the matter does. And so if you want to talk about how there could be other lifetimes, all you'd have to say is there's something that animates us that is true for all of us. It's the same thing that's true for all of us. We all have that thing, and it doesn't die. It's just Laura's body that dies, or Andy's body that dies. But that animating force is like... And the interesting thing about the animating force is that on the surface, it may look different, like Laura, right? Or Andy. We look different. We don't look the same. Mm -hmm. Underneath it, if you think about it, you know, you could say, if you think about cells and bodies, right, we have three trillion cells. Each of them, you could theoretically look at all of them. You'd never find two in this dimension that were the same. But you would know underneath the same animating force was there, or we call that DNA, or in a sense, the same blueprint, the same template, the same animating forces there. And that's why you could take one cell and you could clone the whole body. You could take one of Laura's cells and right now, you could clone all of Laura instantaneously, right? In fact, they're doing it. And if you had enough information, you could literally create a, a replica of Laura right now. All of the information is there in every cell. And since I think what you are is a hologram also, you're like a mystical holographic cell, except we're in the body of life. Everything that has ever happened is happening and could happen is all available to you if you could touch the template. And that from my point of view, is why even if you're in Maryland and I'm in Boston, I could say, I'm going to stand in for you. And if I could tune into the template enough and focus on Laura enough, it's like I could become Laura. And then I could muscle test Laura, which is a really wild idea, but nonetheless useful. So that's my quick explanation of A, muscle testing, B, how you can do it at a distance surrogately and see how it's all related to other lifetimes and uh, that everything is happening simultaneously, which is why you can get information now. And it's all there. And if you want to read about it, I mean, the starting place for most people who are interested in this stuff is a book called The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot, which I highly would recommend to all of your readers because it's just like, it's one of the great books. And if you're interested in other lifetimes, I mean, you know, a lot of people have written about other lifetimes, but so, I mean, you know, there's popular books about other lifetimes, like many masters, many selves. I mean, so, you know, but the really great book, I think, is a book called Initiation by a woman named Elizabeth Haish. And if you read that book, then tell me we can have another conversation about other lifetimes. It's really quite an extraordinary book. So. Well, I'll be sure to I'll be sure to put these resources in the show notes so our listeners can find them. And just for clarification, you said there are four levels of wisdoms, the conscious mind, unconscious mind, chi, prana, right, chi, lot, shakti. Right. That's the third level. And that, that's sort of like, that's the, the bridge level between that and infinite wisdom. Infinite wisdom or unity consciousness says that you are everything right now. Okay. That's why Einstein can't explain how it is that there can be things that are influencing each other faster than the speed of light. And the reason that things can influence, and quantum mechanics, original quantum mechanics can't explain that either. You have to go to an idea of, 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 of verbs and that everything is right now happening. And if that's the case, it may look like something is traveling millions of light years instantaneously, but it's not. 
It's that it's all happening right now simultaneously. We're just not aware of it. And that's called unity. That's the fourth level. It's That's why I think right now, theoretically, you could make, I could give you, if you, if you buy consciousness like that and that everything is consciousness and everything is holographic, anything that happens everywhere is happening everywhere. That's why if you take a holographic plate and you break it into three trillion pieces on the surface, they all look different. But underneath it, they're all holding the same evolving universe, the same evolving life. And that's what I think we are. And that's the foundation. That's why we change the name of this to life-centered therapy, because there is an evolving wisdom to life itself. And all of us are you could say just mystical cells in a mystical body that is that evolving, that evolving knowing. And that's what I, that's the premise of our work, which is slightly different than the premise of most other work, which starts usually with something that's limited, whether it's brain function or beliefs or actions or anything, or even mindfulness, because even mindfulness isn't, that's just one aspect of being. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's that's about awareness, and awareness really is of the mind. It's not of the heart, and it's not of the body so much. So I would say, why not beingfulness? But that's, you know. Oh, I like that, beingfulness. Yeah. You really are a wealth of information. You, you have uh, sufficiently blown my mind for now, but I wish we had more time to talk about how you do this and, and how people can learn. And I do really hope that you will come back for a second interview with me. But before we have to wrap up for now, can you tell people how they can get training? You mentioned that you have, you offer it online. Can you tell them about sort of the structure of what you offer and where they can find it? Sure. If they go to our website, which is lifecenteredtherapy.com, they can find all of our certified practitioners, including me and the, there's sort of a, an institute here, but we've trained people all over the place. Most of us work remotely, so it doesn't matter where you are. You can find someone who will work with you. I don't care. doesn't matter. Literally, you could be anywhere in the universe and we can work with you. So there's no limitation unless you want to see somebody live and then you have to find someone where we train people. If you want to do our training, we train people. All you'd have to do, we have a different website for that. It's called readyforamiracle.net. And if you do that, you get our whole, everything I've told you and how to do it and a lot of practices. And then you get me supervising you as part of that. You get access to me for a whole year in live mentoring sessions, which actually we've never done in trainings before. So you actually get more training from me than you would in any of our live trainings ever. And we also occasionally will tutor people if they really want to do it that way because we're not doing live trainings now. And we used to do live trainings all over the place and we went to people, but now we're not doing that. But someday life will change and we'll do it again. But right now the only trainings we're doing is either we do we do some tutoring if you really want it, that costs a fair amount of money because you're getting one person. Or you can do it with our online training and that costs some money. But given what the amount of mentoring you get, I'd say it's worth it. And it's just like I said, it's ready for a miracle.net and you can go there and find everything about our training and it's for anybody. It's we have a lot of very, you know, seasoned trauma therapists and you know, people who are just wanting to know how to heal themselves. Because really, it's very simple to say how to heal yourself. Just find something you're suffering about, find out what's happening in the body, choose to bring all your awareness there and get receptive. And anytime you have a discomfort in the body, just drop your attention into it fully and just say, what have you come to share with me? And if all you did was that, you'd be getting a long, long way. So that's what I would say. Wow. I I agree with you about that, that that's, uh, that in itself can be so healing, but the 
the stuff you're talking about is like, whoa, I'm just <laughs> really interested. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time to be here with me on therapy chat today. Laura, I'm so grateful you have us because like, you know, you give me a chance to share this with you and we can have this amazing conversation and people can hear it and get curious. And like I'd say, you know, you guys have known me for 45 minutes, so I'd be really skeptical, but I'd also keep an open mind and find out for yourself because who am I? I'm some guy you barely know. But I, I mean, I know it works for me because I've experienced it and I do it with people for 27 years. But like, you know, I'd say you should, you know, I, I true believers scare me as much as as true skeptics. I'd like to say, you know, they 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 uh, they should be in a sacred marriage, you know, skepticism and, and curiosity, you know. So but yeah, go to our website, lifecenteredtherapy.com or readyforamiracle.net and everything you want, you can find there. And of course, I would love to come back. And if you want to you know, talk about any of these things, because I can tell you some stories about anything you're interested in, you know, how you work with psychosis and how you can work with people you most people think can't be worked with and how you can use this as spiritual practices. And of course, if you want to, you could do, we could do a live session. That's always extraordinary because you never know what's going to happen. So everyone's like out on a limb, but at least... <laughs> And, you know, you can do it with you or anybody who's listening or anything. And that's it'd be a joy. I love doing that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I definitely want to have you back. And as soon as we finish recording, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. Sounds great. Thank you again. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to take a minute to tell you about my trauma therapist consultation groups. These are small online groups for trauma therapists or therapists who are working with clients who have trauma and want to become more trauma informed in the way they practice. The groups are limited to six people per group and we meet one hour or one hour and a half per month, depending on which option you choose. And the group is for learning, improving your skills connecting with additional resources for helping trauma survivors. And it's also for support and community because being a therapist can be very isolating and trauma work can be very isolating. So we come together and share our common experiences to help each other remember that we're all human and give and receive support. So if you're interested in learning more, you can sign up for the email list to find out when registration opens. It will be opening on February 1st. And if you want to be one of the first to find out about that when it goes live, join the email list. There is a link in the show notes for this episode to sign up for that. I'll also announce it here on the podcast when registration opens. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com.
Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. 